Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and joining us on the show today is the president and CEO of Stalker Woods Financial, Mike Woods. Thanks for coming on the show today, Mike. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. If you wouldn't mind, share your story with our audience. The place I like to start on these podcasts from a historical perspective because they're so inspiring. So how did you get your start and how did you get to where you are today? This one's a, a lot of fun. I actually tell this one quite often when we're, we're, we're talking with new clients because it, it, it's funny. I, people always assume that this is what you majored in college in and you very intentionally are doing this. And this was such an accidental opportunity for me to be here. I was during college. I, I had gotten down to my last semester. I was doing a liberal arts degree, had absolutely nothing to do with finance. And I was working at the time part-time with an insurance agent. A guy sold auto insurance and it was a miserable job. I could not stand what I was doing. It was so bad. I was literally carrying a resume around with me every day in, in a briefcase. And, and I was desperate to find something else. But the sad part was I was six months away from graduating and I had no clue what I was about to do in life. And all of the sudden I realized I'm, I'm sitting in this, this building one afternoon. The building was, we, we leased space from the guy who ended up later on becoming the business partner. And his office manager at the time was wanting to change careers. She had worked with him forever, loved him to death, but was trying to replace herself so she could move on. And she came over one afternoon. I had a few minute breaks and she said, she said, hey, um, do you know anybody that wants to you know, do, get into this kind of a job? I want to leave. And I didn't even ask her what it was she did. I ripped my resume out of my briefcase and I said, hand this to whoever's doing the hiring. I'll take the job. And she said, you don't even know what I do. And I said, I don't care. I want it. And she started laughing and she said, okay, sure. And she walks over, gives it to him. And he comes over. This was the first time I'd ever even met him. I didn't even know what they did. And he comes over and he starts visiting with me and he said, so I hear you want to be my office manager. And I said, oh yeah. I said, I will rock it as your office manager. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll be the best office manager you've ever had, which of course she got offended by because she was standing there listening to me. One conversation led to another and it ended up being just an opportunity, you know, a little, little bit of divine intervention, a little bit of pure dumb luck on my part. But he, he went ahead and interviewed me and said, okay, I'll hire you as the office manager, but really and truly I see something bigger he said, I, for the last five years, I've been trying to find somebody that I could train into the business to become my successor manager for this company. He said, I've been making promises to people for the last 25 years that I'm going to be there forever. And he goes, I'm, I'm finally getting to that point where I realize I may not be here. I've, I've got to find somebody younger to come in and take it over. So we did this handshake agreement that he would hire me and teach me everything he knew as long as I would promise not to leave after he taught it to me. I, I had to stay there and, and buy the company from him. And, you know, for a 20 something, 24, 25 year old kid, I, I was so dumb. I didn't even know what I had really gotten myself into until several years later. But it, it I, I worked as his office manager for a couple of years behind the scenes. He would let me come in and sit in the meetings and he started teaching me everything he was doing and the what and the how. And I went and got an insurance license first and so I could supplement my income on the side. 
And then I have about two years into it, he said, okay, I think you're finally ready. And he had me go out and start picking up the securities licenses. And it just kind of took off from there. And eventually we, I think seven or eight years into it, we finally started signing some actual documents and saying, okay, let's put, let's put a plan into place. And then over the course of time, I started buying chunks of the business and we did that. Up now. So that was 1997 when I first hired on with him. I got my first license, by the way, in your securities license in January of 2000. That was a lot of fun. So now you, the first two and a half years of me taking money in, I, I you couldn't do it right. I, I lost money on everything I touched for the first two and a half years. And what he said was, boy, if these people stay with you, you you've got a gold mine going in this career. And after two and a half years, we finally started making a little bit of money when the market began to come back from that 50% loss. That was entertaining. But 2006, he finally let me put my name on the door. We formed a partnership and it took off and ran from there. And about three and a half years ago, I ended up buying, we, we got it, we built it up to where I own 50% of the company. He never would give up that extra 1%. And then uh, about three and a half years ago, he decided he wanted to walk away and so I bought the other half of the company and the rest has in history of it, as they say. So one of the themes I get from a lot of conversations in our industry, I love the channel opportunity. That's definitely what a lot, how a lot of us fall into this. And the message for the audience of not being intimidated by the fact that you don't know exactly what you want to do is important because I think especially younger adults today feel like they have to know that really early and your story is a great example of how that's not true. Did you ever have, was it love at first sight and from that point forward you loved this business or were there moments along that journey you just described where you thought, man, maybe in the 2000s, is this really, can I really do this? Is this really what I want to do? And how did you push through that? So we got to year seven and in you know, I've seen the stats about you know, most businesses, most small businesses fail out within the first seven years. And when I got to year seven, I actually had my resume drawn up. And, and it was funny because it was right before we started doing the, the partnership. We, I, I wasn't convinced that I was good at it. I wasn't convinced it was working. The, you know, the money was starting to really roll in a little better. It was, it was, it was starting to happen. But I looked back at this first seven years, I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody around me is doing so much better than I am. I'm just, I, I, this isn't working. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not getting that traction that I need. And I think, I think it was year seven anyway. And I started looking around saying, okay, well, what else would I do? I mean, this is all I've done since I got out of college. And I, I couldn't figure out anything else. And, and I, I actually spent a bunch of time. This is, you know, some people love this, some people hate this, but I stopped and just spent a bunch of time praying about it and saying, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing at this point. Help. You just make, make it blatantly obvious. Give me the, the old show me a sign. If this is what I'm supposed to be doing, just make it obvious and I'll never question this again. And we're going to go full bore for the rest of the gig. But if, if, if this is the point where I'm supposed to glean that knowledge of, okay, this was fun, but there's something bigger you're supposed to be doing, just close some doors, open some doors, and let me know which direction to start walking, and, I, and, and I'm going to go. And shortly thereafter, I ended up having a conversation with him, and he said, 
oh my gosh, you're you're doing a lot better than you think you are. And he and he and he started putting it all into perspective. And that it, it was just it was so obvious at that point after that conversation with him that I tore the resume up, put it, threw it in the trash. You know, Dorothy and I had a long conversation of okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm not failing as much as I thought I was. Let's let's go. And and again, shortly thereafter, we we actually started having the the partnership conversations and it just took off and ran from there. And the funny part is I've never looked back after that, but it, it, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was convinced I am so in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. This is, this is, this is insane. What am I doing here? And I, I, I chuckle about it now and go, what was I thinking? Why would I, why would I even consider walking away? This has been such a phenomenal opportunity. I think but that's the there key. Was a, there was a scary time. Yeah, that's the key. I think another message for people considering getting into our business, it's not one, at least financially, where you see immediate gratification. It takes time to build. Even if you step in and you're a partner or an intern or a associate inside of an organization, it still takes time. But the benefits and the flexibility as you commit the way that you just described in this business, at least in my opinion, are phenomenal. The flexibility is phenomenal. So I'm glad you shared that story. I tell, because I, I get to visit with young people all the time and and they look at where we are now and they look at what our lives look like and they go, oh my gosh, this you, you have such a perfect life. It's just so amazing. And I said, you know, like several people before me, yeah, it took us about 20 years to become an overnight success. It's it, It looks great today, but you missed the early part where we were struggling to get by. And my wife, who was a teacher at the time, if it wasn't for her little teacher salary, we there were times where we wouldn't have eaten (laughs) because back then it wasn't fee based. It was all you eat what you kill. And sometimes you didn't kill. (laughs) You went home going, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for dinner tonight. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing. I want to take a little bit of a different path here, but it's it's similar. It's talking about how past experiences can contribute to your success. I know that you spent some time in the Marine Corps, and it would be great if you could share how some of the things you learned at that period of your life translated over to you building the successful business that you have. Sure. So my my inaugural couple of years in the service, I was, I was referred to myself as a combat typist. I was a computer guy. I went in, my original job was being a computer programmer, but about two years, two and a half years into it, I had an opportunity to get transferred up to headquarters Marine Corps in DC. And I worked on this congressionally mandated unit. The, the four services were having to justify their existence and so I was the one computer guy. I became the IT guy, basically, the lowest ranking guy in, a, in, a, in an office full of officers that were building this report to present to Congress to explain why the Marine Corps needed to exist and have all the services they had. And it was really funny. I went from being a programmer to being the guy that made everything work. And, and so I learned a lot about networking. I learned a lot about office administration. I learned that there, there was an admin guy in the office too, but but you know he couldn't keep up with it all. There was only two of us serving all these guys and we were answering to the four stars every day. So, I mean, it was, you, you had to be on point on everything you were doing, but I, I learned such a wide array of things. I, that 
I learned a lot about PowerPoint that year because we I was I was the one actually building the thing behind the scenes. It, it was interesting because at the time I had no idea that everything I was doing was going to translate into what I did in in this office for about the first three years I was here. But when I graduated and got out and found the, the job over here, uh, I ended that first couple of years where I was the office manager. Everything that I had been doing up there in D.C., all of a sudden, I was down in Denton, Texas, doing in an, in an insurance and, and financial practice. And I, I walked in and I, and I kind of chuckled because at the time, the guy was sitting there with two computers that weren't networked together. He was use, literally using a floppy disk to move files back and forth. And I mean, not, none of the systems taught me, just nothing. It was, it was, it was, that's the way everything was at the time. It, it, but it was, you know, in small offices and it was horrendously inefficient. And, and I, and I remember going, none of this is going to work. We got to, we got to change everything in here. And, and of course he was a very non-technological guy and, and everything I did scared him to death. But I, I remember, I mean, all the different changes that we, I kept saying, okay, now we need to do this. Okay, now we need to do this. And, and you know, now I laugh as I look at it and say, we're totally on a virtual network with voiceover of phones and there are no back, you know, we, we don't even do it. We, we outsource everything to someone else. But I, I can just chuckle as I think about all the changes that we made over the 20 plus years and, and where, it, where it started and what it looked like. And Everything I did, I have said for so many years, I swear everything we're doing, we're just making it up as we go because there was nobody to pick up the phone and call at that time and say, well, what do we do? How do we do this? And we were just trying to figure out what was the next step? How, how can we make it better? How can we make it faster? How can we make it more efficient? And all those things that we were doing were things that I learned as a 19 to 21 year old kid sitting in DC trying, uh, trying to wing it up there and figure out what I was doing. That's great. So talk about your team. I assume there are times in your business today where you have to listen to someone else coming in, might be younger than you are, to say, let's do it this way, let's do it that way. And do you now empathize a little bit with how he must have felt when he was sitting in your chair and you were in that 20-somethings chair? Y yes, I, I get very fearful of some things the, the beauty for me right now is having the hindsight of being able to have experienced that from the other side. And had, had I not been on the other side of it, it probably would even, it would be even harder right now than it is. But knowing what that was like back then, and we, we also have the luxury and the benefit now of the you know doing all these conferences and, and having all these friends all across the country that do this stuff. And so we're constantly comparing notes with each other and saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? And and over and over, the more you hear people say, well, I've hired a 20-year-old and I've got them in here and they're helping me figure out how to do the next one, two, five, 10 projects. It, it's I'm more excited about it than I am fearful of it. The the hard part is just every once in a while needing to rein them in and say, I hear what you want to do, but let me explain how the bigger system's working here and the and the implications of if you make one change, it may affect five or 10 other things that we're doing and, and trying to lay that bigger picture out so that we can figure out how to phase things in with, with the least amount of disruption. 
That makes sense. So, Mike, you've spoken at a lot of different places, universities, schools, churches, on topics around our business, financial planning, investments, retirement planning. How about financial literacy? And do you think that plays a critical role in the lives of the people that you're talking to? And how do you get your message across? So, I, and for those people that don't know, I'm, I am one of the many, many people at Cambridge that are one of the Dave Ramsey Smartvestor pros. So the, the whole principle behind being in that, in that role is being an educator, being, being a teacher and, and sharing and teaching as you go. A lot of those speaking events that I was doing was even bef- you know, years before that I had gotten into this position. Back then, a lot of what we were doing with that was we were, it was exposure. We were trying to get our name out and, and be, be a resource. And we, the, I think, I think we're, we're, we're trying to figure out a way to get the next generation to be better at this than we are, we are or we were. And, you know, we, we want to get in front of different audiences and, and try to change that generation. There, you know, as we look at all this debt that's sitting out there and all these people that are, whether they're 20 or 40 or 60, and they've got hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans, how do we, how do we educate the next group coming up to take a different path and plan ahead for some of those things better than what our parents did and what their parents did? And so we we love to get in front of a front of an audience and talk about that. Actually, I say we love. I did. I've actually gotten to a point now where I don't enjoy standing up and talking from in front of the crowd as much as I used to. I figured out somewhere along the way I'm actually not as good at it as I thought I was. I I was doing it out of desperation for a long time and. Now I've, I've gotten systems in place to where I don't have to have that exposure from that method. And there are so many other men and women out there that are much, much better at that than I was. I still do do an occasional presentation here and there, but I, I would rather put other people that are much better than me that, at that in, in, in front of a crowd. So now what I'm doing is I sponsor things and, and I'll, and I'll, pay to bring other programs in so that I don't actually have to be the one up on the stage. That is success, I would suggest. The point you reach both personally, being able to be humble enough to know that you can't be perfect at everything and figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are and then go out and partner with people who have their strength as you know your weakness is, is great. So congratulations on being able to do that. It's Fun place to be and and sad to say at the same time that you're not as good at something as you thought you were. (laughs) (laughs) I I understand. I've been there too. So let's talk about what comes, what's the next generation of your firm look like? Talk about, you know, you were the next generation at one point. You just described your journey, but what does it look like? What does your business look like going forward? What are you putting in place? Talk about your team. Sure. So our, our current team is on the advisor side is myself and, and then I've got one advisor that is a few years older than me and one advisor that's a few years younger than me. We, we have, there's three of us now, but we're all within a moderately speaking the same age range. So what I've got being built out right now is my oldest, who is 21, is a senior about to graduate from the financial planning program out at Texas Tech. 
And unfortunately for me, from a timing perspective, she wants to go back and get her master's. Fortunately for me, she's going to come here with her master's later. So it's a double-edged sword. It's, it's just the timing of, I could use the help now, but we're willing to wait to get the help that, that we want with the, with the knowledge base that, that will benefit the clients the most. But she, she is about, so she'll graduate in December of this year with the bachelor's. She'll graduate December of the following year with the master's. But she, she's here this summer. She's interning with us. We're trying to get some of the licenses in place as we go so that she'll be able to hit the ground running a little faster on that, on that part. But she, she, is, she will be the first of probably several of that age range that we'll hire over the next few years as we continue to build it out. Because as we all know, we, we talk really well with the demographic plus or minus you know, a certain number of years around our age. And we're getting to that point where in order to be attractive to that next group coming up, we need some people in that age range in here. So I'm looking forward to having her on the ground and, and having her a part of that team. But I've already told her I'm probably the last generation that will own this company, a single person own the company. It's getting, it's getting large enough now to where unless you sold it out to some big company or some big entity, which is not the plan. That's not what I want to do. We, we want this place to run a hundred years past all of us, but it, it'll get to a point where it's, it's going to take two or three people financially to be able to walk in these younger ones uh, to be able to do it. So my goal is to get her on board and let her start coming up, get her, you know, get the experience and then start going up through more of an executive leadership track to where she'll be able to take over the, the company from the, the running it side and then have a team of people working with her well down the, the road into the future and, and take this thing two, three, five, ten times the size of anything we've ever dreamed of at this point. Having had the pleasure of meeting and spending some time with her, I'm sure she will do a great job. And they like to work, that generation, I mean, a lot of generations do, but in particular, I think that generation likes to work with other people. The solo model of our business, in my opinion, likely with time, is going to become the smallest component of the segments because as they they just, you know, they're, they're more productive and enjoy being a team. So you're giving her a great opportunity and, and she's giving you a great opportunity, in my opinion, to be able to work with you. So congratulations. Thanks. I'm excited about it. So my favorite part of these sessions, or one of them, is when we completely shift gears from the business side, talk about your family, your community, you know, where you're involved, what you do with the five minutes that you're not working. Sure. So well, we'll, we'll hit the, the kind of the, the community side first and then, and then hit the personal side. So the community side. So oh, and actually, we'll start with family. So first of all, it's, it's Dorothy and I, and then we've got the two kiddos and we've got two girls. So one is a college senior. One is about to be a high school senior when we're not involved. And, and Dorothy has, she left teaching after 18 years and came home and decided to get more involved in charitable events. So she, she and I both now are on different boards for different charities in town. She runs several Bible studies. She runs a women and all women's Bible study. All of these things are at our house. So she, she runs the women's Bible study every Monday morning at our house. And we, we run a couple's Bible study every Wednesday night at our house. And then she serves on a different uh, one board. I serve on another one. Both are 
you know, huge in giving back to the local community. The one I'm on, I, I run the investment committee for the Public School Foundation. It's fun because uh, I've gotten into that and I do it almost identically to the way we run the company up here. So up here, I hire a bunch of people that are way smarter than me and I hire a bunch of third party managers. Well, over there, what I did was I immediately went in and, and started hiring out a handful of third party managers so that you go get the best of the best of what what people are have the ability to do and and you spread your risks around and try to make that thing get bigger and bigger that that one you know, they they give a bunch of scholarships and grants away to teachers and students each year so we we spend a fair bit of time with that on the personal side if i'm if i'm not at work and i'm not doing anything else i always lovingly refer to myself as a lake rat or a water rat i'm i'm always either at a a lake a pool or an ocean I, I always want to be in water all the time. This past, in fact, in the past four days, we I was out surfing out on one of the local lakes. We just, it was fun. We just added the final component in. It only took us nine months, but we finally added a hot tub at the house. So off season, when the pool's cold, we still have access to water and I don't have to go put a wetsuit on and get in a, in a lake. But yeah, that's that, that's where we that's where we spend a lot of time. Uh, and Dorothy's big one is entertaining. Part of our pandemic excursion was building this monstrous new pack patio onto the house. She she kept saying, I love to entertain. We, we don't have enough space to do it as big as I want to. And so we put this monstrous new setup out there. And so now we've got both the 10-person table in the house for dining. We now have a 10-person table out on the patio. So you can put even more before you even go to couches and the bar and other chairs. It's it's getting absurd the number of people that we can actually have out there on any given day. But it, all it did was created more space so that the the Bible studies that we're running can get bigger. Now we we now have more seating and the real picture behind while we were doing it was we were watching our family grow and we're the host house for everything we do. And so we were looking for a space to, how do you make this thing go 10 years further, 20 years further, and not get to that point where, okay, we don't have any, we don't have enough space for everybody. And now the families start breaking off and doing different things. We looked at it and said, here's the, here's the number we're trying to see. Let's build something big enough. And, and we immediately looked back and said, you know, this actually allows the other groups that are meeting here to expand significantly larger as well. That's fantastic. You might see Matt and Amy Weber standing on your deck because it sounds <laughs> like it's beautiful. Well, well, one of one of your associates just flew home last night. They they've been here for the last, for the last four days. We, we we have told people there's kind of an open door at DFW Airport. Any anytime you're flying through, at least give us 24 hours notice. Uh, but uh, let us know. And there's always a there's always a bed and and food sitting there and. And there's a fairly, there's a growing number of people taking us up on that offer. That's what makes you guys so special for sure. So, well, we're getting ready to wrap up here, Mike. Thank you for sharing so much about yourself, your business, and your life. Any last tips, words of wisdom that you'd like our audience to know about the life lessons you've learned along the way, business or otherwise? I just recorded a, a video this past week. We we haven't even gotten it finished and, and sent out, but I, I just did a video on purpose, on what is your purpose, finding your purpose, and and are you doing things that are significant? Are you doing things that that you care about? Because uh, if you are, then 
everything else is going to fall into place. Don't don't worry about what's happening politically. Don't worry about what's happening socially. Just do things that you care about. Put your time and energy into the things that matter the most. I'm I'm waiting to send this video out, hoping I don't get completely blasted by <laughs> by half of the people that watch it. But I think it'll be fun. I can't wait to see it. It sounds fantastic. We'll 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 see we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> well, there's also a component of bravery when you're running a business. You might have criticism along the way, but that makes us stronger, in my opinion. I, I did want to say I did want to say thank you, you guys, for having me on here today. The the Cambridge community is is so phenomenal. I was talking recently with some friends locally, and I said, you know, most of my closest friends actually don't live within 100 miles of here. I fly all over the country and they fly from all over the country for us to spend time together. And it, and it has been so interesting over the last year that the, the hardest part of the pandemic for me was not getting together. I, I absolutely hate being alone and I was going stir crazy, not being able to get to the places where all of our great friends are. And we we just kept saying, okay, you got to fly to Dallas, you got to fly to Dallas, or tell us where we can meet you. Let's, let's find a place that's open that we can get in and out of without having to quarantine. That's the part I'm, I'm looking forward to the most about this year is as the conferences are kicking back up and we can get out and get in front of all and get together with all of our friends again. I couldn't agree more. I also get my energy from being with people that I share core values with and have fun with. And it's, if, if nothing else, the positive side of the last 15 months has made me realize just how important that is again. It's a reminder. So you are one of them and you are a great example of hashtag Cambridge Stronger. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. If you like what you've heard, please give us a review and head on over to our blog for more content at cambridgestronger.com. That's cambridgestronger.com.